Psalm 78, and uh, the young people are making their way down. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 7, Psalm 78. You can follow along. Uh, words are on the screen as I read them. This is a psalm from Asaph. Here's what he has to say. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Let's, uh, let's pray together this morning, and uh, then we'll look into God's word here. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to um, call you our Father and to bring um, our praises to you uh, for another day that you've given us, another day to live, another day to um, honor moms, another day to bless others. Lord, I pray this morning for some here that are um, missing mom today, and uh, there's an emptiness in their heart. And Lord, uh, we thank you for... Um, the comfort and peace that you give us. Lord, we thank you for uh, every mom today and uh, for the impact that they have on our lives. We pray that you would bless them. Lord, we pray for some in our church family that uh, perhaps are watching on live stream and down with COVID. We know there's several. Uh, we, we pray for your uh, protection on them, your blessing on them. And so, Lord, we pray that you would uh, now open up our hearts to your word and uh, may our lives be changed because we've been here today. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me give you... Uh, some, some of you know I had a little health episode this week, so I'll just give you a little uh, quick update. Uh, I'm doing well. Um, had a little medical episode early Wednesday morning and had a nice ambulance ride to Chelsea Hospital and uh, I spent some time there, but um, got released and uh, doing well. I've noticed over the last couple of weeks there's been a couple of um, vultures that are uh, nesting and roosting close by, and they've been sitting on that back um, railway back there, and I've seen them every day for a couple of weeks, and I'm thinking, like, is this a precursor or something here? But uh, um, thankful for uh, thankful men, for Manchester Fire Department, um, I wouldn't want to come and deal with sick people in the middle of the night, but they were the first ones there about 2 o'clock on Wednesday morning, and uh, then Jackson um, County Ambulance, and uh, thankful for hospital personnel, nurses. We just finished nursing week, and a couple of our ladies up here were nurses and uh, have great admiration for those that uh, are in that profession. So uh, all is well. So thank you um, for some of you that knew about that and uh, prayed for me, and... Um, Grateful to be here this morning. Here's a little book that I've had for a number of years, and uh, I've shared some um, letters from this book. It's called Children's Letters to God. I've probably shared this several times over the many years. It was written in 1991. These are actual letters that kids 
somewhere between the age of five and eight have written to God, and uh, I find them fascinating. It gives interesting insight into what's going on in the minds of young children. So let me read just a couple here. Here's the first one. This is from Jane. Actually, she has uh, the first two here. Jane wants to know, um, in her letter to God, in Sunday school, they told us what you do. Jane wants to know, who does it when you're on vacation? God, who does it? Who does your job when you're, when you're on vacation? <laughs> here's, here's another great one from Jane. Dear God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you got now, right? <laughs> just keep them, keep them alive now. Actually, I think that was the original intent, wasn't it? Uh, uh, Joanne, she must have one of those um, red letter edition Bibles. Joanne writes, Dear God, I would like to know why all the things you said are in red. So she she has figured that out. Joyce, Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I really prayed for was a puppy. So <laughs> Joyce is a little disappointed at... Uh, God's answer there. Larry writes, Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill so much, each so much, if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother, Larry said. Here's Sam. Dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I get big, but not with so much hair all over. Oh. Two more here. Donna writes, we read Thomas Edison made light, but in Sunday school they said you did it. I bet he stole your idea. Sincerely, Donna. And then Frank. I I like this one. identify with this. Frank just simply says, dear God, I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the best I can. And that kind of relates to all of us, I think. So, All right, we're going to... very quickly look at some practical principles for parenting, and hopefully this is helpful um, to all of us this morning. And so I want to start with a quote from a, a book by the name of Stormy. I think her last name is pronounced Omartian, although I'm not sure about that. Uh, this is a book entitled The Power of a Praying Parent. And here's what she has to say uh, in the uh, early part of her book. It's the best of jobs, it's the most difficult of jobs. Kind of from A Tale of Two Cities, if you've read that, it's it's the best of times, it's the worst of times. It can bring you the greatest joy, it can cause the greatest pain. There is nothing as fulfilling and exhilarating. There's nothing so depleting and exhausting. No area of your life can make you feel more like a success when everything is going well. No area of your life can make you feel more like a failure when things go wrong. And of course, she's talking about parenting. The word itself can bring contradictory emotions to the the surface. We try to do the best we can raising our children. Then just when we think we've got the parenting terrain all figured out, we suddenly find ourselves in new territory again as each new age and stage presents another set of challenges. Sometimes that's true. Just just when we have it figured out, uh, then they're on to another uh, stage and age of parenting. I think I agree with what Stormy has to say. That that, that parenting and our children will be perhaps the greatest joy of our life, 
but also the potential for the greatest pain in our life. I'm thinking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how she experienced that. Mary had the joy at the age of maybe 15 or 16. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Mary, you're, you're highly favored. You're going to be the mother of the Messiah. And what a joy it must have been for Mary to parent Jesus. And some of you parents are thinking, yeah, that would have been easy. <laughs> it was perfect. But I'm sure Jesus brought great joy into the life of Mary. But remember what Simeon said to Mary in the, in the temple there in Luke chapter 2 when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple and to offer their, their sacrifices to, to, for, for Jesus as they were told to do according to Jewish civil law. And Simeon um, speaks to Mary in Luke chapter 2 and he speaks a blessing, but then he says to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul. Mary, you, you are blessed to be the mother of the Messiah, but guess what? You're going to have some pain in your life. A sword's going to pierce your soul. And imagine what it had been like for Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she was there at the foot of the cross, and there she is watching her son uh, die an excruciating death, death by crucifixion. And so the, uh, the, the concept here that our children will bring us the greatest joy and sometimes the greatest pains in our life is true. So this morning, we just want to share in the next 25 minutes, perhaps, some practical principles for parents. And I hope this is for all of us, because it really does take a village to raise a child. And we need a strong support system to, to help and encourage and to pray. So let's look at these four truths on this Mother's Day. Here's truth number one. We need to be continually reminded of this, that the Bible says children are a gift from God. Children are a gift from God, the miracle of life, uh, the sanctity of life. Here's what Psalm 139, that um, familiar portion of Scripture where, where the psalmist is writing about, um, about the womb, actually, inside the womb. You created my inmost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And so the psalmist is writing about the miracle of life and how God takes uh, an egg and a sperm and he produces this miracle that we celebrate called life. And we always need to remember that children are a gift from God. It's an interesting when the psalmist writes, you saw my unformed substance in the womb, that with medical technology, we've been able to see that as medical technology has advanced and ultrasounds. And you can actually see the, the development of, of, of a baby within the womb. Back when we were getting ultrasounds of our kids back in the dark ages, those pictures were horrible, and I didn't know if I was looking at like an overcast sky and like, well, where, what, what is that? Yeah. Have you seen the ultrasounds today? <laughs> they are remarkable. You can see this wonderful gift of life. That's what the book of James says in James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift comes from, from above, from God. Uh, back 42 years ago when our first son was, was born, uh, we were struggling with names, as most 
uh, parents do, and it's a big decision, and uh, we, we couldn't settle on a name, but uh, finally what sold us on our oldest son's first name, Nathaniel, was the meaning. And when we looked up the meaning of Nathan, it means, Nathaniel means gift of God. And so we always need to be reminded that, that children are a gift of God, and Scripture reminds us that it's God who opens and closes the womb. And on this Mother's Day, how sensitive we need to be with many in our uh, culture who struggle with infertility. But it's, it's, it's God who opens and closes the womb. Uh, we won't take time to look at the book of 1 Samuel, but, but that was the story with, there with Hannah. And was, she was married to Elkanah. Hannah had two wives, Penanai and Elkanah. Penanai had lots of children. Hannah was barren, and you know the story. And it says God closed her womb. And then she prayed and desperately prayed for a child and says, I will, I, I will dedicate this child to the God. And God says, God remembered her and Samuel was born. Samuel means asked of God. And when Samuel was about three years old, Hannah took him to the temple and he became uh, uh, the high priest's helper. And what a sacrifice that was. Hannah, Hannah would see him once a year, make a, a, a new coat for him and take it to him once a year. But always remember that children are a gift from God. And quite frankly, the culture that we live in doesn't really recognize that. Um, doesn't recognize the, the gift of children. They're looked at many times as an inconvenience, a, a, a financial burden, and uh, the, the culture wars of uh, pro-life and uh, um, abortion rights uh, are playing out in, in our country even as we speak. So children are a gift from God. If I could give you uh, a highly recommended book, and probably if your kids are in maybe upper elementary and lower, a book by John Trent entitled I'd Choose You. Uh, you can look that up on Amazon. What a great book to read to your kids. It basically sends the message out of all the children in the world, if I could choose, I would choose you. And the message of that book sends a high-value message that the children in our life, our grandchildren, uh, are valued and important to God. That's, uh, that's principle number one. Remember, children are a gift from God. Here's the second one, is this. Uh, the second reminder and biblical truth is that the primary responsibility for the spiritual training of children is given to the home. That's very clear in Scripture. That the primary responsibility for a spiritual training of children is given in the home. Uh, the church can help. The church can assist in the spiritual training and development of children and certainly should but the primary responsibility God gives lays at the doorstep of dad and mom. Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, the Shema, uh, a verse and section of scripture that was repeated by the Israelites every day. Uh, it's called the Shema because the first word in Hebrew, the word here, is the word Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then uh, this is written to parents. And then it says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you sit down, when you get up. 
Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. And, of course, the, the Jews took that literally, didn't they? Uh, they put the scripture on the doorposts of their home. Uh, they would have a phylacteries, uh, a leather a little box on their forearm with scripture in it. Sometimes they would wear one around their, their head with a little box there. There's scripture in it. Why are they doing that? Because that's what Deuteronomy 6 says. And so the primary responsibility is given to the home. Um, Paul emphasizes that and reinforces that in Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up what in the training and instruction of the Lord. I love the example of Job in the Old Testament. Uh, Job had ten children. And in Job chapter 1, we discover that uh, Job had a, a daily practice that he would engage in on a regular basis. And in Job chapter 1, um, we read verse 5, when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for his children to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts this was Job's regular custom. What's a, that's a picture of intercessory prayer. Uh, we don't offer, offer sacrifices for our children. They, they have to personally come into a relationship with God on their own. But it's a picture of, of intercessory prayer. Job is concerned about his ten children. And every day he is um, interceding for them. Well, the primary responsibility is given to the home and in this uh, challenge of spiritual training of our kids, we also need to understand what's the goal? What's the target? And, and this is something that I was late coming to um, in, in our journey, because when you have uh, young kids, your goal is to survive sometimes at a certain age. And you're in survival mode, but at some point in time, as moms and dads, we, and this is a great discussion to have, like, what is the goal of child raising? Is it to have them become a productive member of society? That's great. That's, that's good. We want that, don't we? Is it for them uh, where we say we, we want them to be happy? Yes, we want them to be happy, but... What's the goal? What's the target? And uh, it wasn't until about 20 years ago when I got a hold of a book uh, by Chip Ingram entitled Effective Parenting in a Defective World. And I'm reading that book, and he gave a, uh, a chapter on what's the aim of child raising? What's the target? And uh, here, here's what he says. I think it might be in, in the, the notes. Here it is. Success in parenting is when my children transfer their primary love, submission, and obedience from me as their parent to Jesus Christ. That's, that's the goal. We, we want them in, in that journey of 18, 19, 20, 21 years, whatever, 25, 30, do I hear 35? No. Um, we want them to transfer their love, primary love, submission, obedience from us to Jesus. Because guess what? We're not going to be around all the time, are we? 
they're, they're, they're going to be off somewhere on a college campus, or they're going to be off in a, a military base or somewhere, and, and we're not going to be there, but the goal is that they have transferred their love, primary love, submission, obedience from us to God, to Jesus. And, uh, and that's, that's the target, that's the goal. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, so we make it our goal to please God, Paul writes. That's, that's our aim, uh, pleasing Him, uh, with our lives. Well, you might be thinking, that's, that's a tall task. Um, and maybe feeling a little bit of the weight of that this morning. Uh, so here's what we want to think about. Um, how do we do that? And so sometimes, uh, in, in sermons and giving instructions, we, we tell people what to do. But what we really need to understand is, well, how is that done? And so this morning, point number three, to perhaps help in that area is this. God has given parents resources to accomplish the task of spiritually training children. So you're, you're not just left to just do this on your own. God, God says, hey, I've got some resources for you that will help you with this task of spiritually training the next generation. Second uh, Corinthians 6 1, the Apostle Paul says, we are co-laborers with God. So we need some help, don't we? And thankfully, um, God's there to help us. Psalm 127 verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Okay, so we're not left to do this alone. God says, hey, I'm going to be your helper. I'm going to be your co-laborer co, uh, here. We're going to work together on this, and I've given you some resources to do the job. And uh, here's what George Barna has to say in his book, Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions. The greatest hope for the local church lies in raising godly children. Uh, there's a sign in one of the rooms downstairs that's been there for a long, long time from maybe it was from Awana or some other, something that we had. And it's hanging from one of the doors. It says, we are the future. And so uh, God's given parents some, some resources. And we're going to look at four resources very quickly here. And then we'll uh, conclude this morning of uh, what are the resources that God has given us in this task of spiritually training our children. And uh, here's the first one. The first one is uh, Scripture. The first one is God's Word. God's Word. Uh, how soon How soon should we begin to build God's Word into the life of a, of a child? Ideally, from the very start. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Paul's writing to his Son of the faith, Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Verse 15, and how from, uh, the Greek word there is brephos, infancy, it, it literally means an infant. From a baby you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says, Timothy, you've known God's word since you were a baby, an infant. And God's word is able to make us wise for salvation. And so it's never 
too early to start to share God's word and God's truth with uh, with our children. Uh, and it's got great value, not only for salvation, but also for sanctification, how we should live our lives. Psalm 119, verse 9, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Later on, verse 105 and 106, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In this dark culture, godless culture in which we live, uh, our, our children, our grandchildren need a light, the light of God's word to show them the right path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, verse 106. I will follow your righteous laws. And so uh, scripture exposing them to God's word is, uh, is one of the resources that God's given us in uh, the spiritual development of children. Resource number two is uh, modeling, modeling. Uh, your modeling career began the moment you had a child. And uh, those little ones, as they get older, I guarantee you, they are watching everything you do, and they are listening to everything, and uh, they are soaking it all in. And so if we want to be um, an impact in their lives in a positive way, we need to be, what, a, a positive role model. Kids today are, are looking for role models, aren't they? And and our, our culture gives them a lot of opportunities for people to look up to. Uh, our, our oldest grandson, uh, Shane, is, uh, he is so much into football, I can't believe it. Uh, he wanted to watch all seven rounds of the draft. I mean, like, you know, if you're interested in football, you watch the first round. No, he wants to watch all seven rounds of the draft. And um, uh, Tyreek Hill is uh, his fa- favorite uh, wide receiver, and I think he plays for the Miami Dolphins, so he's asking, like, uh, can we go to a Miami Dolphins football game? I'm like, well, I don't think they're coming to Detroit. Probably not going to happen, but but uh, believe me, the sports world gives lots of role models. The entertainment world gives lots of role models, and what kids need today is real-life role models, and it uh, should be mom and dad can also be part of the village of the community of believers uh, that can be positive role models and encouraging them in their lives. This was Paul's ministry. This was his um, modus operandi and when he uh, ministered. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, Paul wrote. So he's like, I want you to follow me because I'm following Christ. Philippians 4.9, he writes to the believers in Philippi, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, I want you to do. So what you've heard me say and what you've seen me do, that's what I want you to do. And we know that uh, there's great power in watching an example of, of somebody who actually puts life and truth into, into practice First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6 to the Thessalonian believers, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Now, none of us are going to do that perfectly, are we? 
And we, we kind of heard that from the, from the panel that, that, um, you know, we're, we're imperfect people, aren't we? And we're not going to do this perfectly, but, uh, we need to have this consistent role model. Somebody once said that God, first two children, created two children in the, in the Garden of Eden, and both of them rebelled. Because children have a will, and they can make choices. And there's no guarantee they're going to make right choices. But what we want to do is give them the best opportunity to make the, the right choice. And part of that is by being a role model and as they watch us and our lives. And number three, resource number three. So God's Word, He's given us the resource of, of modeling. Number three is discipline. Uh, isn't it interesting in the English language you take that and out of discipline, and you have the word disciple. That uh, you know, discipline is something that um, is is necessary in in raising children, and it can be intense in those early years, can it? Again, Chip Ingram in his book um, "Effective Parenting in a Defective World" said one of the most powerful ways to love your child is to be consistent in discipline. I believe eighty percent of your need to discipline will be eliminated if you learn to say what you mean and mean what you say. And to make sure they know the boundaries and know the consequences and when it happens that you follow through. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about discipline. Uh, the Bible says God um, disciplines us as his own children. It's one of the ways that we discover we're a child of God. Uh, when we begin to go astray, God disciplines his own. And if somebody goes and lives a godless life and claims to be a believer and there's no discipline, then you might want to question, well, are they really, are they really a child of God? Because God will discipline his own. But, uh, the scriptures also, uh, teach a lot about, uh, about discipline. Proverbs 22, 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. So, um, the scriptures do teach uh, corporal punishment. I was going to say capital punishment. It teaches that as well. <laughs> Our friends, uh, years ago, the Lucarinis, uh, they had three children, and I remember visiting them. This is uh, a long time ago, and we're in their home, and up on the kitchen wall, there's a little wooden spoon. And on the name of that spoon is written, Mr. Ouch. And Mr. Ouch. And every now and then, they brought out Mr. Ouch. And there's a right way to, to do that, and there's a wrong way to do that. Um, but uh, that's that's it's, it's discipline, and it's part of uh, part of raising children. And we could say a lot more about discipline, but uh, let's let's go on to the fourth resource. Here it is. The fourth resource is is prayer, and again. Uh, that was mentioned in, in the panel as well, wasn't it? The, the importance of, of prayer and uh, uh, praying. Uh, James one five. I I I find that I think I'm praying this prayer for wisdom, even more so with adult children. <laughs> it's complicated. And, and uh, this whole matter of parenting, our, our role changes, but it never goes away. And life gets complicated, and relationships get complicated. And boy, do we need wisdom 
on a daily basis, even as uh, for our adult kids, and certainly as we're as we're raising kids, everyone is different. And uh, maybe how the first two children respond, uh, along comes number three, and you're like, well, um, this formula is not working anymore because <laughs> they're, they're all, all different. So we need uh, prayer and we need wisdom. James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We already talked about uh, the example of, of Job. Here he was with his ten kids, and every day he's intercessing uh, for those ten children. Well, uh, we need to be regular intercessors for our children and grandchildren, don't we? And uh, as the that list grows, uh, then uh, sometimes you just even need to write it down. I always knew my dad prayed for his family. Um, my dad and mom had... Uh, Three sons, on the middle of three sons. My mom died young. My dad remarried Gloria. Uh, Gloria had three daughters. Um, so now there's this blended family of six. And then out of those uh, six children, there were like, I don't know, 18 or 19 grandchildren. And the great-grandchildren came along. And, and I always knew um, in my heart that my, my um, dad prayed for me. But um, after he died and I got a lot of his stuff, I, I, I saw it, man. He had it written down like... He had like, Monday, here's my prayer list. Tuesday, here's my prayer list. Wednesday, here's who I'm praying for. And, and the names of his kids, the names of his grandkids, and, and they were all written down. Um, prayer is a powerful tool in um, our arsenal. Uh, again, Stormio March and the power of a praying parent at every stage of their lives, at every stage of their lives, our children need and will greatly benefit from our prayers. Prayer is much more than giving a list of desire to God as if he was Santa Claus in the sky. Prayer is acknowledging and experiencing the presence of God and inviting his presence into our lives and circumstance. It's seeking the presence of God and releasing the power of God, which gives us the means to overcome any problem. And so um, this is a lifelong task. And, um, you know, many people who uh, at the end of their life are confined uh, maybe to a room in their house or as my stepmom is in uh, a home in Grand Rapids where she's facing... Um, my younger brother went to visit her yesterday and his wife and uh, made a four-and-a-half-hour trip one way and back to, to see to see our stepmom. And I called him on the way back. He says, yep, that's, it's it used to be months. Now the doctors are talking about weeks uh, for, for my stepmom. Um, but what can you do? Um, you can still have a ministry, can't you? you can, and I know this is happening, that my stepmom is praying for her kids, her grandkids, her great-grandkids. I know she's also sharing Jesus with other people in that home. She's told me that on some of her visits, like, God's still using me. I, I was able to share Jesus with this person that came down to my room. She won't be able to do that much longer because she's losing her ability to speak. She has a degenerative muscle disease that mimics ALS. She's in a motorized wheelchair. 
She's still praying for every one of us. And so it's a lifelong task. And we never stop having the opportunity to impact those lives. Well, all you remember, uh, our children are a gift. So are our grandchildren, aren't they? I get some amens from that. They're a gift from God. And we need to treasure them and value them and bless them. And we need to take this job of uh, spiritually training them seriously. And God's given us some resources, God's word, modeling, discipline, and prayer. It is never too late to stop praying for your kids and so and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. So well, why don't we do that this morning as we close? Lord, thank you for this Mother's Day. Uh, thank you for the gift of life and the gift of moms. Lord, I, I pray that you would... Um, Help us to realize that you have given us a, a serious task and a serious responsibility, and that is to build into the lives of our kids, our grandkids, and uh, Lord, uh, those that uh, you have blessed us with here at our church, Lord, our young people and kids, Lord, uh, thank you for each and every one of them. Help us to be faithful in that task. Help us to realize that that we're not in it alone that you are our co-laborer and uh, that we can build your truth uh, through uh, these resources that we looked at. And Lord, there, there are many others. Lord, help us to uh, pray for one another. Lord, I pray for every um, parent here. I pray for every grandparent. I pray for every family unit. Lord, would you bless them? Uh, as we read Psalm 78, Lord, would we realize that uh, what we do today um, has a ripple effect through the generations. And Lord, that um, our diligence in, in, in building truth into the lives of the next generation will impact our, our great children, our grandchildren, our great grandchildren, our, our great great grandchildren yet to be born, if you tarry. So uh, we pray your blessing upon all of this, and we'll give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.